And just like that, footy's back. And with all the good and bad, it comes with a weekly routine of AFL. Controversial match review decisions, AFL technology dramas, and plenty of way too early to tell hot takes about the state of this new game. Meanwhile, the rest of the rounds play, dish up a bunch of enthralling finishes, captivating comebacks, and a couple of breakout stars. And with me to analyse the wrinkles, crunch the stats, and hopefully pick a few more winners this week is the king of COVID himself, Big Bustling Baz. Now, King of COVID? King of COVID. That was after last week's synopsis. You were like, I loved COVID, I nailed it, I'm a new man. I'm thinner, I'm sharper, I'm, I'm fitter. Yeah, I can't pick winners. Can't pick winners, no. but we'll get to that this week. Yep. Uh, how'd you find the first round back? I'm um, looking back, probably definitely teams are underprepared, uh, especially game sense sort of stuff and conditioning, definitely underprepared, and they weren't ready for it, I think. And it was a bit strange with uh, how teams were able to, weren't able to move the footy out of their back half, mm. uh, which obviously goes back to conditioning and all that sort of thing. And, the crowds as well, really missed the crowds. I think the games, definitely some of the games when you could hear the players celebrating and, and getting amongst it, um, it obviously made for a bit of a different viewing. Vibe, vibe, yeah. yep. You can tell that, but then you hear some teams that didn't, like you couldn't hear them celebrate or anything like that. So, yeah, it makes you wonder how they go without the crowd and I think that might have played a part in some of the games, who knows? But, mm. uh, yeah, it was interesting. Mm. What, about what about you? How did you find it? I, did, I enjoyed it, and but I often I watch footy on the mute, so no crowds for me is fine yep. because I can't stand commentary. So a lot of the time I just like to watch the footy. I think having we watched it Thursday night together, and that was a bizarre, bizarre game. It was very, very tactical, but I think also, like I said, the players were were tired. It was dewy. The crowd wasn't there buzzing them on. Yeah, uh, and, I, and that's probably the thing. It's like I think for a game like. You know, Giants versus North, no crowd, who cares? Yeah. But like Richmond versus Collingwood at MCJ on a Thursday night. It's usually a hundred. It's, it's usually ninety thousand people, yeah. not zero. So that would be a significant difference, especially for those players who probably played in that. Like most of those players would have played eight or so games of that. Yeah. Of that matchup. Well, most most weeks those two teams are playing in front of massive yeah. crowds, so it'd be yeah, it'd be a different vibe. I also thought with that game that. Yeah, it's very very sloppy, but I think if you look. Over the weekend, there was lots of teams who had quarters, halves without scoring or mm. only scoring one goal for a half. So is that going to be, like I said, it was just hard for teams to transition once the ball was stuck in one half of the ground. So hopefully over the next few weeks as they get better conditioning and you know, used to playing the game again, because a lot of them didn't play any proper no scratch matches or yeah. practice matches and, you know, and they don't play it 100% anyway. So yeah, it'll, it'll get better as it, as it goes on, but I think... Massive overreaction from a lot of the uh, experts, especially the older ones from the the few yeah. of the ones that try to remain a bit. You know, they want to stay in the game. At, you know, in their job, obviously, because it's a cutthroat industry, and some are making some outlandish but calls to get to clickbait. Some, is it clickbait or is it just laziness? Because some of that I think is just laziness when it's the old person take, so they just yell at the clouds like they always do about the state of the game and things like that. And it's like, come on, old man, like they're it's like we had a global crisis. Yeah. This hasn't happened before. Yeah. So it's not going to look the way it always has looked because this has never ever happened before. You can't say, oh, back in the eight, like didn't happen in the eighties. Yeah. And there was you, no global crisis. And we're getting all these international followers now of the game yeah. and they're loving it. So imagine what, what's going to happen when they actually see a good game. Do something. Do. Don't think. Think. Don't hope. Do. At least you can come up and say, I did this. Coach's Corner. Overreactions are strife at the moment, but from a coaching point of view, 
how do you reflect on a first up drumming? So Hawthorne, Adelaide, West Coast, and the Western Borgs for mine had games which they basically got completely spanked. Yep. Do you as a coach, if that happens to one of your sides, do you review the tape or do you just go Malcolm Blythe style and say, nah, let's go just have a kick, go to the pub, have a team bonding session and forget all about it and move on to next week? Uh, West Coast, I watched Adam Simpson's presser last week, middle of the week, and he talked about, and there's an article as well on the AFL website about uh, practice game, scratch match, that he's very, wasn't very uh, sure about what was going on and it seemed very unorganised and you know, I was pretty tongue-in-cheek as well last week saying that they just had to rock up and win. Well, maybe that they actually thought that, I think, and Gold Coast showed up and bullied them. But I'm a bit worried about now about West Coast's mental state. You know, we talked about last week about how, you know, the mental mentally fragile sort of clubs might might be affected a bit more about this. And, uh, you know, you're hearing a lot that they actually don't want to be in this hub. They'd rather be back mm. in WA. And how much does that have an effect on players? If you've got five or six players with that... Um, Mentality, it's obviously going to affect the whole squad. But also, you know, in, in hindsight, probably should have this a bit more last week, but we're a bit flipping it <laughs> of Gold Coast. But we, we know about, um, and Jonathan Brown, you stole my notes, you spoke about this last night on the couch. We already know about West Coast weakness is ground mm. balls. It was a dewy, hot night, or warmish night in, in Gold Coast. They played with a lot of tools, and we spoke about that again last week as well, with how many teams are going to go with tools. They played pretty tall, and they just got found out and hunted by. A young team that wanted to show show what they're what they're what they're capable of, I suppose. So for West Coast, I think there's a bit of homework to be done there. Adelaide are just we've been talking about it a long time. Adelaide are no good, and the Western Bulldogs think are no good as well. They don't have the cattle, they don't have the work rate, and there's plenty of vision shown of both those teams getting outworked by other teams, um, you know, and arguing and all that sort of stuff. And you know, Kane Corns has thrown up a few pictures of uh, Tex Walker and what how he's you know a bit of mud guts going on. So. I think that those two teams are a long way off and uh, Adelaide don't have the cattle. Western Brock probably do have the cattle, but do they have the coach and the right game plan? And, you know, we spoke about last week how he referred to him. He wanted to be the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I think he got his ears wrong. They were Detroit, Detroit Pistons of the 2020. Yeah. Not invited back to the post-COVID NBA versus and then, the Detroit Pistons of the 90s. But, so. but they, they had a mass, they got a massive problem with their goal kicking as well. They had, they had, well, was secure to get the first goal. Had all the momentum, all the play, missed a couple of these shots, um, and then all of a sudden it was game over. They just, they just, it's like they didn't. And Bonten Pally has had a couple of really interesting games where I know he's skipping, he's carrying the extra pressure, but is he is he best suited to the Western Bulldogs now as a midfielder? They had a few players that weren't playing on the weekend that you know should arguably be in the, in that team. Is he best served at you know up forward or? You know, behind the ball or something where they can use him because some of the decision making coming out of the back line as well was terrible. Um, and then Hawthorne, that was pretty uncharacteristic like of Hawthorne just to give up like that. Mm. But again, did they play too tall for? They got ran off their off off their feet a bit in that second half. They got they really did like we saw the the heat maps of Geelong. They cut they cut through them through the middle, and we spoke about we we. We're given, you know, I, I give Chris Crow a bit of shit and Geelong a bit of shit, but we spoke last year, Flixar was the best defender in the comp, pretty much. Yeah. Playing up on a wing and on the ball and in the ruck where he should be playing. Surely Clarko, and he's got all the runs on the ball and he's a king, but how long, how much longer does McAvoy stay at halfback? Seriously, like, he's, he's the number one ruckman. He's their best ruckman. He should be playing in ruck. He would have murdered the Geelong rucks. He would, he would have... 
I just could not believe. And um, Big Sav was giving him a run. Sav had him covered every time the ball at the deck because he just he's not quick enough. He's not good enough to be playing at half back or key post. Mm. So they're better off with him playing him forward if they're going to do that. Like yeah, it was just some bonkers stuff happened in that first round. Yeah, is any of it going to be trend lining though, or do you reckon? First round bubbles. Oh, Adelaide and Western yeah. Bulldogs, you can put a line through. Yeah. I mean, Western Bulldogs play, what, GWS this week, and you mm-hmm. can assume GWS will want to make a statement. So will probably the Doggies. It'll, it'll be a good game, probably, but I don't, I don't see them cont- contending at all. Uh, and I've said it all the way through. I don't see Adelaide contending at all one bit. Like they're, they're, they're probably, if Gold Coast go like they did on Saturday night and can continue that, they're going to finish bottom Adelaide. Um, Hawthorne, well, you just never know, do you? you just, There'll be a few. Te- I assume there'll be a few tweaks to their team this week, and I back Clarko to get them near, near, near enough, good enough. And then West Coast this is whether they have the mental strength and the desire to pick themselves up. I mean, they got Brisbane this week, who you know weren't great either on the weekend. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But definitely put lines through two of them, and probably almost West Coast as well. I'm pretty close. If they if they get done this week by Brisbane in a similar sort of manner. Yeah, I'll be putting the line through. Now, to big call, segment two. Hate to tell you I told you so. It's our big wins and bad beats section of the podcast. Now, Baz, yep. I'll give you the first uh, the first chance to make any apologies that you need to, any clubs and supporters out there that you may have got really wrong last week. Well, there's a couple of apologies. I'll, I'll, I'll give an apology to Geelong. I probably should have tipped you down there. But I don't like you, and I still don't like you, and I still don't rate you as a team. So I'm not, I'm not going to change my mind about that. And until I'm proven wrong, and you win a final, and you win a grand final, or get to a grand final, more you know, importantly. Well, now that they have a uh, generational player in in a uh, Patrick Dangerfield, as said by Chris Scott all week. Yep. He's changed that club apparently. Don't know yep. how you can change a club when the club he arrived at had already won like three premierships in five years. Yep. And then they haven't won one since that. That wouldn't be changing the, the yeah, club. Yeah. I just, yeah, they they they've been gifted a good draw down at, at Cadinia again, and good luck to them. They'll they'll win more games than than lose down there, and they'll get to the MCG on a big stage and lose again. That's fine. Um, Carlton, yeah, look, I, I kind of wanted Carlton to win on the weekend. Well, I definitely wanted Carlton to win because that was my that was my green shoots bet. But I think. You can't trust either of those two teams, and I, I, I'm nearly, I almost, I've, I've pretty much put a line through Melbourne now as well. See everyone, because everyone from the weekend bagged out Carlton for the for the goal of start. Yep. That's not an that's not an unfamiliar trend, and we'll get to more of that in the match previews. But I, my takeaway from that game was actually more to do with Melbourne can't be trusted to try and win games versus Carlton being really really bad. Yep. Because old Carlton would Carlton would just been lost by that by hundred points. Yep. New Carlton went, come on, we're still in this game. It's only Melbourne. Let's go. And if a couple of people had a few more accurate kicks and a few more deep breaths in that last three minutes, can't win that game, and then it's a big different storyline on Melbourne. Definitely. So after that game, I was, I was sitting here watching the game, and I, I thought, oh, if Melbourne celebrate this win and go off their chonkers like they do yeah. when they have a win, and, and they're after the bound of the pump, I'm, I'm off them. Yeah. They didn't. They were quite good about it. And I thought, oh, here we go. This could be the new... You know, we start seeing something about Melbourne... And then five minutes later, I see they sung the theme song without three of their players, including their captain, or four of their players, including the captain. And then they all dispersed and they laughed about it and joked and got back together and re-sung it. But I'm sorry, but if you watch that footage, Gorn is not clapping, he's not having a bar of it. 
He's not even. He's barely singing the song, if at all. And I'm with a few of the experts. That was that. That speaks volumes about where that club's at, where that playing list is at, the culture. Like, you watch any of the better sides. Yeah. And they, they don't do that. And I, and they've used the. Some people have used the excuse like, oh, he was doing a media commitment. Well, then perhaps you wait for your captain. How many other clubs would wait? How about you wait for your captain to finish the media commitment so he can come in and sing the song as captain for the first time as captain? Imagine, like, if, imagine if that was a, a Geelong. A Geelong would never let that happen. So would Colin yeah. would have never let that happen. Hawthorne would never. Like, yeah. there's so many strong clubs. I, I, I would have said West Coast up until the weekend, but there's so many strong clubs and even weaker clubs that just would not let that happen. Yeah. I. I I'd be astounded if even Gold Coast would let No, that definitely not. Gold Coast studio makes sure that everyone needs to be in there in the yeah. middle for the, of the song, is in the middle of the song yeah. when they win, which was basically everyone. This so, and that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm all for, the coaches don't need to be there involved. The players should be enjoying it. I'm all for that because I believe that's the, the case. The, the, the players put on the, the show. The coaches are just bystanders. But, um, yeah, when you forget your captain, that's a big, big stuff up. But I, I'm going to apologise to Carl because maybe I need to trust you a bit more. But, um, and I'm going to apologise to myself for not trusting my gut because I should have tipped, should have stuck with Essendon. You talked me out of it. Yeah. And, and so did some of the travel issues that, that was spoken about. But um, if I'd actually done my homework properly with what's happened in the NRL with the fly and fly out, I probably would have definitely stuck with Essendon. Um, and I suppose we should have... With, with a six point margin though. So it wasn't like you mucked it up by much. No, nah, but I oh know, but it's still a tip I got wrong. And I, I think we, we both need to apologise to North. Yeah, we do. You are. You could be very relevant this year, but I'm not going to give you relevancy after one game. They've done this before. They've done this every year. They win early. Now, under Shaw, I think he's he's won something like seven of his last nine or something. So, like he's, they've done really well under him. You know, you know and it, and it, they're playing. So what? His style of football. Like, they've committed to his style of football. Like Carlton, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. So that's it. Makes it easier for a punter. Finally, before we get there, though. Each little week, we'll do a little thing called What the Odds Stock Market. Teams you should buy into and teams you should sell immediately. I've got four movers. So Geelong, Port Adelaide, North Melbourne, and Gold Coast. We've mentioned all of them so far except for one, Port Adelaide. Every round three, we've since we've done this podcast, we've asked the same question. I'm with them. I do we buy you, stock in Port? I told you last week I'm with Port. I'm all in. You're all in? I'm, I reckon... Big blue chip stock. I think after the weekend, we saw, we saw three teams that can possibly... Win a grand final this weekend, uh, this year, and I reckon Collingwood and Richmond are definitely two because they got the lists, they have got the teams, the experience, and the coaches, the talent. Yeah, and they they've put in a bit of hard work the last three or four weeks as well, which you know, I reckon it's in a hold them in good stead. And then Port Adelaide, I'm I'm pretty much the third team. They're my third elect at the moment. There you go. I'm nearly chips in. Nearly. We've done this before though. So we have. Yeah. Beware, but. I'm with them as well. They look really good. This week will be, I think, the the kingmaker week for for Port Adelaide. This would be the game that old Port they would lose. Yep. So big game this week for them. The Shakers, Adelaide Western Bulldogs, Hawthorne West Coast, and GWS. We've mentioned four of those clubs already. The Giants. They did the one thing we never liked to see the Giants do. They didn't get their shorts dirty. They didn't roll up their sleeves. Yeah, they went back to old Giants. They went to old Giants, Bondi billionaires. Even watching some of the, the footage, like players going in self-preservation mode when they're getting opened up and just running to the nearest North Melbourne player instead of their actual opponent, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, interesting. And like I said, 
they, they'll go in favourites this week against the Doggies, but the Doggies have, have been ordinary the last two weeks, and you you know the Doggies are going to respond. But, that's what they do. But I don't think I still don't think they've got enough scoring capacity to respond. So yeah, I, I I'd hold on GWS another week if they get the job done against the Doggies, and um, maybe maybe we might be looking to buy again. But every other team I'd be be selling, even West Coast, I'd be selling West Coast. And that's a fair enough point. My last point before we get to the previews. So, obviously, shortened season this year, 17 rounds. If you look at the end of round 17 since 2012, which is the year that both Gold Coast and the Giants were in the competition, eighth position gets you there with nine wins. Yeah. So, if the West Coast go zero and three, yep. they'll basically have to run the Gauntlet with like a nine and six or something like that. And... and- Mind you, they're probably going to get... Some home games at the back end of the year. But they're going to have to start winning back-to-back-to-back-to-back if they they lose this week. And then for top four, they can pretty much kiss that goodbye. After round 17 since 2012, top four places, you need 11.5 wins. So the gap's going to start pretty big. And even for a team like the Giants, you don't want to drop too many too early because for the first time in a very long time, basically every game matters. We're getting into that. It's that sweet spot of the fixture we've been calling for for a, for a very long, long time. So one good thing about COVID, perhaps. Right, on to our round three previews. And let's be honest with each other, we had a rough weekend as well. So we apologise to you. If you are punted with us, we apologise. But this week, that's the joy about footy. You always get this week, next week, the week after. Slightly different groupings this week. So it's the five litmus test games games with our clubs that had something to prove two season shapers where basically the loser leaves town and two pretty straightforward tip and forget games but take them with a buy beware after last week's results the first of which starts thursday 740 richmond are a dollar on favorites hawthorne three dollar outsiders at the mcg the line here is 15 and a half the over under 135 and after a dour season restart richmond will start hot favorites at the g after Hawthorne got touched up by the Cats. But uh, what can we expect? And can we expect a Clarko masterclass? Or has Clarko got too good, too big for his boots? Seen by his funky position changes last week. Yeah, I reckon I'll go shorter. I don't think they can play both. Surely he plays one of those, only one of those two? Yep. Because well, you saw on the weekend, Richmond didn't have an overly tall side apart from Rewalt and um, Lynch. Lynch up forward. And obviously... Down back, they've got one tall and, and, and the ruck. So, yeah, surely they can't do the same. Obviously, Jago ja- Mira comes in. I just reckon Richmond, they probably they might get Josh Caddy back. But, yeah, I, I can't see how Hawthorne can turn around what they did last week. Even though, you know, you know what Clarko's going to do. He's going to bunker down and do something. And probably, probably read them the right act as well. But I can't see how they can turn it around. And Richmond will be a lot better for the run. Hmm. When you think of a Clarko masterclass, though, do we actually need a Buckley masterclass? How has the comment would worked out how to beat Richmond essentially? No, because we didn't beat them. We drew. Yes. We should have run away with it, but a hundred percent. Rather than skill execution, the actual game plan you're looking to try and beat Richmond, keeping the ball off them, and then using handball to get out of stoppage, and handball to get out of contest, seemed to work quite well for the majority of that game. Yeah, I, I, Do you reckon teams can replicate that? Or is that a very Collingwood-focused game plan against Richmond? Probably very Collingwood-focused. Teams could rec- replicate it, but they also need to have the personnel to replicate it. And I don't think Hawthorne have that 
personnel. And I really, like a lot of the time against Geelong last week, they got to open up because they kicked the ball forward and they had nothing forward. Patton is too, is, I hate bash, bagging players unless it's Tex Walker, but um, <laughs> Patton was too slow. He doesn't have the agility. I know he's coming off a couple of knees and, you know, has the game gone past him? He reminds me a bit of a Travis Cloak slash Tom Hawkins. At least Tom Hawkins has kind of changed his body shape a mm. little bit and still gets involved in the game. But he doesn't, like, even Tommy Hawk's probably on his last legs. But reminds me a lot of a late Travis Cloak when the game sort of caught up and it stopped being the game that Cloak was good at. Yeah, he just seems a bit slow. I don't think you can play him too much down forward because the players just ran off him. Uh, you know, Gunson and then went deep forward, but then you needed him up the ground. So I just can't see how they kick goals. O'Brien has had plenty of opportunities and, you know, does he keep going with O'Brien? I'm not sure. You know, so yeah, I, I think the Richmond backline should have a pretty good time of it. Your midfield is way better than Hawthorne. Your ruck, unless McAvoy rucks, is probably sold over do a good job. Uh, and your four line, four line probably matches up pretty well with the Hawthorne backline, but just I think it's too dynamic and hmm. it's got too many weapons for Hawthorne. And then the last big question on everyone's lips: another Thursday night blockbuster. Will we see more goals? I reckon you will, yeah. If it's as open as it was on the weekend and, and Hawthorne don't defend, then you're going to see plenty of goals because Richmond can score for fun. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be backing in Richmond. And, uh, yeah, even if, you know, the line looks pretty handy and even head-to-head, they're still like a sixty head-to-head. So yeah. you can take the shorts and just, yeah, home. Absolutely. And the history is with Richmond here as well. The last four contests between these two sides have all gone Richmond's way. So Richmond... The play there. Friday night, a big, big, big game. An absolute litmus test. 7.50, Western Bulldogs, $2.30 outsiders at home against the Giants. $1.60 favourites at Marvel Stadium. The line here is just over a goal. The over-under, 138. Now, most sides are pretty tough to back up after first start. These ones will be pretty fresh because both their coaches said they played bruise-free football. What will we see a response to in this game? Can either of these sides actually like commit to playing hard, tough footy? The Detroit Pistons, the hard and tough Giants. Like I didn't realise the game was at Marvel. I thought it was up, actually up at GWS. Ah, yeah, no, it's at Marvel. So that, I reckon that brings the doggies a bit closer. I, something says that the doggies might respond a bit, but I, I just can't... I mean, I said it last week, I just can't see how they kick more than 60 points. Mm. Like, I just cannot see how their forward line, you know, how they can just... Josh Bruce was, you know, pretty much not seen the whole game. Norton's a one, a bit of a one-trick pony and four. They're figuring him out a bit. They're stopping his run at the ball and his jump. And uh, for me, if I was, so if I, if I was Bevo, mm-hmm. Norton would be going back. Norton, he, he needs to play back. It's where he plays his best footy. Stop this experiment with him playing up forward. Put him down back. Who's target up forward then? I'd, I'd put, I'd play Bon across the half forward. He's big enough. He's mobile enough. He's smart enough. Bruce deep. And you know, and and, give, and have a bit more of a mosquito fleet. Maybe push push the forwards up high and try and get them over the back. Because um, you know, Sydney aren't exactly quick down back either with Heath Shaw and, and the like. So yeah, just try and something a bit different instead of the same same. Or even even you know, Gardner push Gardner up forward and just make him a big target. Or even Keith. Like Keith played pretty well on the weekend, but yeah. So if you take Bont out of the middle, so you're going to lose the tap with Jacobs rucking. With the Giants now. Yeah. So how do they get first source of the get, football? Get McLean back in. Yeah. 
um, play a little bit more through the middle, get Josh Dunkley into the game a bit more. So bring Libba back into the side is the first step. Well, Libba's yeah. injured, isn't he? I'm pretty no, sure. no, no, he's, he's just been a bit. Yeah, he's fit. So you got you got some midfielders and you got some players from the doggies sitting out that you know, should really be, be probably mm-hmm. playing in that team. It, it, it's some, it's some, they just have some funny things going on, <laughs> the doggies, and you just don't know 100%. Um, I mean, even Zane Cordy, like, where was he? Mm. So he could go forward. He could play as a forward and let Norton go back. Because I reckon if Norton went back, uh, that would stop a lot of... He'd be a, he's, he's such a good backman. He's such a good intercept mark. I know Keith is as well, but Norton's on another level. And he's giving, not giving you much up forward. So what can you even bring Josh Shackey in. At least you know what you're going to get from mm. Josh Shackey. So they need to change it up because if they keep the same it is, they're not going to score enough. I don't think GWS have too many changes to their team. I wasn't going to go through the AFL injury list, but I'm going to probably give the AFL website a bit of a clip a bit later. But as we saw last week, you know they said Tipper and that were out and they end up playing. So um, not going to go through that, but I'm pretty sure GWS are at full strength. I just can't see how the Doggies can score enough. GWS should be able to score enough and they'll get the job done at uh, the Dome. Yeah, hard to disagree with that other than I just can't trust the Giants after last week's performance because that was a game they should have definitely won. Talent v. Talent, list v. List, home ground advantage. And yes, the Roos are a lot better than what we thought the Roos going to be. And they're a lot tougher and a lot harder. And a lot tougher and a lot the harder. The Doggies aren't that. But we know the Doggies had the potential to do that. So like, are you putting with cash in this game? The line here, eight and a half. Oh, if it's eight and a half, I'm all over Joe, yes. Yeah. But the... The interesting thing is, I'm not going to bet on this until I see the teams. Yeah. If English is out, then definitely Jervis. Even if English plays, like, he showed snippets against St Kilda, but he got towed up again. It's a big problem in their midfield at the moment, the doggies, and mm. then and then their four line. So, I just I don't just don't think they're any good. No. And if they can't win out of the middle, especially shortened quarters, get the jump on the start, there's not enough time to catch up. And if you can't win the first touch out of the middle... Yeah. It's going to be a very, very long season for the Doggies. The midfield players like they've got a Gorn or a Grundy yeah. back into them. And they don't. They don't. They've got English. So. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. All right. So Giants, the obvious play there as well. Saturday, 1.45, North Melbourne. $1.56 versus Sydney. $2.39 Outsiders. They're also playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here, 9.5. The over-under, 139. And it's Battles of the Bloods versus the Shinboners. The gritty, underdog-type sides. Mr. Mr. Shaw versus Mr. Longmire, old friends down at the uh, Sydney Academy of Boring Dyer Football. Do you know what's going to happen here? Absolute goal fest? No, I'm going to tip North Melbourne. They're going to lose. Yeah. The one time we'll, get, we'll go with North Melbourne yeah. and I'll get done. You know, it's, it's so hard not to pick North. Well, I don't want to pick North because I don't believe in them after one game. But everything they did, was, they did right. They, they beat yeah, some killer. Yeah, they beat some killer. Yeah. It's like, so it's one game. They got one big scalp. They got one big scalp this year. Um, and a lot of scalps last year too, both of the honeymoon period. A, a, and a city and sorry, a city and GWS fly and fly out, or they they staying? No, they fly and fly out. Are they sharing a plane like Essendon and, and? Probably. I might tip GWS and Sydney then. Got the, the, the old FIFO. The, 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 the FIFO double last week. Yeah. It happened last week. Now, oh, Sydney, I couldn't see. Blakey, Alir Alir, and a few of those other players have as a bad a game they did against Essendon and they still nearly got mm. over the line. Just some clangers and just poor kicking, poor decision making. Uh, but again, like we saw how many times, how long did Sydney have it in their four line? How many opportunities they have to kick goals? 
they kept kicking in long and, and trying to create a contest, bring the ball to the ground, but they just really lacked that goal kicking option. They missed Buddy, they missed Reed, they missed some a big target. They have no easy target. There's no, no easy option. If you're under the pump and you bring your eyes up forward, if you're a Sydney midfielder, there's no one to kick to. Yeah, Isaac Henney was playing you know, as the yeah. key forward pretty much and he was trying to take hangers and do what he could and he, he did it pretty well. I'd still rather him you know, in the probably in that midfield, but they look, they've got a really solid defence uh, Sydney they, and they show that again on the weekend. Um, I'm just tipping North just on the pure fact you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Sydney, you don't know whether they're going to score. North won't have plenty of scoring options at the moment going forward and yeah, I just think for once North are the favourites and they better... I'll tell you what. <laughs> they let us down this way because I'm going with North as well. Two clear facts. As you just mentioned, their target's up forward. So Sydney only managed four marks inside 50 last week. North took 10 against a Giants that has handy players across every line. So to yep. take 10 inside marks inside 50 kind of highlights the Giants were very sloppy with their defence and they're marking up, but also shows... That they do that the Roos do have clear targets. The other big one is in the last ten minutes of the last quarter, the North North Melbourne maintained thirty two percent possession versus the Giants fifteen. So they were able to maintain possession and then create everything else to be a contest. Meanwhile, Sydney only managed twenty three percent, and then everything else was a contest, but gave Essendon thirty percent. So they're gonna they got seem to tie out late, which makes sense. North didn't tie out late, so. We said here when a trusted teams have done the work in the in the in the break in the twelve week COVID break, that seems to be North Melbourne's style, and that's the way that game played out. It was close, it was close, it was close, and then the watershed moment came late in the fourth quarter, and they ran away with the game. So I think that's going to happen the same way against the Swans, especially because as the Swans had moments to win that game against the Bombers, the Bombers still found a way to easily transition through, like the Roos did to the yeah. Giants. So I think the play here is definitely North. Saturday, 4.35. Collingwood are $1.39 favourites against St Kilda. $2.94 outsiders at the MCG. The line here, 15.5. The over-under, a very, very small 1.26. And after the Pies disappointed the masses on the reopening night, they face a rejuvenated Saints side, which fired on all four cylinders, much to the joy of everyone at Dramana Drive-Thru. Are you scared of the Saints now, Baz? There were some babies conceived, I reckon, at Jermaine and Drive. That would have been exciting scenes. Yeah, there would have been some... The the vans would have been rocking. Yeah, would have been. Cars. Oh, I'm actually a bit worried now after watching the Saints. I tipped them last week. Yeah. There's one game you could... Out of the three games you tried to talk me around, it was yep. Essendon, Hawthorne and St Kilda. I got, I got one right because yep. I changed my mind with Essendon. But anyway... Um, if it had changed your mind with Hawthorne, you would have got two right. So. Yeah. Anyway, the, we're going to be careful. Like Hunter Clark is a very, very good player in a set mark. He had an awesome game against the Doggies. Our midfield should be better than theirs. Should be a lot better. Our forward line, hopefully, Stephenson comes in and again, it's just. It's whether we can kick a score. Or when, we get our, when we get our mojo going, we can kick a score. The, the rupture will be pretty interesting with Marshall and Ryder versus Grundy because I double team, obviously. Every part of me thinks we should win this, but this is, again, like this is something that we could just absolutely butcher. Is the scoring issue a game style? Is it is it your issue or is it who you play against? So the big scoring droughts have happened in three games against good sides. So qualifying final against Geelong, you went thirty two minutes with only one goal. The preliminary final against the Giants, you had five behinds, one of them rushed in forty one minutes of game time. 
And then last week he had he had five behinds, two rushed in the last forty three minutes of game time. I think it's just. It's if, but if you play like St Kilda's not Geelong, GWS or Richmond. I suppose. I mean, I did say that last week about um, St Kilda. They're not. They don't set up as good defensive as we do. Which so Western Bulldogs should be able to score. You know, a little bit more easily and they did that in the first five minutes and they did it for a period I think it was in the last quarter maybe when the game was dead but yeah look, I'm backing us to take the game on a bit more and, and execute like, I think that's that those games we, we t- tend to get to it in front by five or six goals or f- even four or five goals and we just try and like possess and, and slow the game down and, and just like um, slug it out instead of keep taking the game on and I don't know whether that's a coaching instruction or whether players just revert back to that because they're nervous or worried or whatever the reason is but hopefully yeah we can just take them on and um, open them up and uh, the doggies opened them up enough mm. on the week on Sunday night they just couldn't execute especially earlier in the game I'd back us in to execute and if we can do that I don't think they can match us scoring power I don't think they can match us through midfield I'm, and you know defensively they've been pretty good so defensively they've been insanely good to be to be totally honest so Against the Tigers, only uh, allowed 25% retention into the forward 50, ranked number one in the AFL after doing the same to the Dogs in round one. And uh, you've only lost 14% of defensive one-on-ones. So there's been a couple of good little um, Twitter Twitter grabs this week of the analysis showing that even if you even if you only have the contest, the way that you use hands from from a from a clinch or from a stoppage or even from a spoiled mark to finally release kick and then kick the right option. Is, is insane from the back half. It's just that often, I think you're drilled so well in that that you forget that once you get into the midfield or the middle part of the field, you should probably then look to get a bit more direct yeah. and a bit more attacking. So. Yeah, and probably a bit quicker as well. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes a player can carry the ball at five or ten metres and it puts all the four line out instead of actually just getting in there, especially the one-on-one when you've got dangerous players who are very, very talented and good. Just kick it to their advantage and just watch them do their work because it's you know, well also I don't know if you've heard or not but apparently Jordan Go is a pretty good footballer so uh, and, and there's a reason why fours are forwards and backs are backs yeah. so you know it's a reason why the one gets paid more than the other as well so there you go now did St Kilda validate their um, their recruiting scheme last week they got a lot of older type recycled type players that all performed pretty well does that validate that tactic for a club that's where it's at or is it kind of uh, I reckon I don't reckon I still don't reckon Hanbury's a smart one I can see why Ryder was brought in and, and he will help out Marshall a lot but Marshall's obviously the long term and he shouldn't be taking game time away from Marshall either um, the other two I can see why they're there because they're probably like Jones and Hill they're probably there in their next sort of window but I was speaking to a secure mate of mine who's very very heavily passionate secure fan and we both agree that they're probably another another good draft off, you know, competing, mm. but they should be around the mark. They should they should go close to making finals, and they've got a bloody good coach. They've got it hurts me to say this because you, you know how much I just like secure, but they've actually got good people in in, in charge. Of, you know, at the in the footy department. Finally, they've got a good coach. They're starting to get their team sort of together. You know, they've got some really good young players. They're starting to mature. I can talk about Hunter Clark and stuff like that, but um, yeah, and obviously they've got some senior talent there now, and yeah. They go to another draft or two and hopefully recruit you know some top end talent again. But then finishing, you know seventh, eighth, ninth won't allow that. So it's whether they're they're smart enough to recruit and father son and that sort of stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, I think they're on the they're on the right track. But on the right track. probably not a W. 
this weekend. We've got a very interesting uh, in-game multi for the end of this end of this podcast in regards to our Collingwood scoring style, but we'll leave that for the end of the podcast. Saturday, seven forty, Brisbane are a dollar eighty favourites against West Coast, who are two dollar outsiders at the Gabba. The line's only three points though. The over/under one thirty-four. Hub life is hard, apparently, for the West Coast Eagles. Their seconds, their magoos forgot all their kit. The ones don't want to be. They want to be home with their family. They can go surfing now and playing golf, so that might cheer them up a little bit. Yep. And uh, the Brisbane Lions flew under the radar because they were pretty scrappy against the Dockers. But, pretty uh, ordinary, that. But they were just kind of lucky that the Suns killed it, so everyone just cared about talking about the Suns, and everyone else who sucked sucked so bad that uh, no one talked about the Lions at all. Well, they got the win just. Like, yeah. They are pretty lucky in the end. Freo have nearly pinched two wins. Uh, similar to Carlton. Go, mm. go, give up a lead and then come back late and nearly pinch it. Brisbane, they're a bit of a worry for mine, actually. Um, and I'm gonna tip. I'm gonna tip him against the West Coast just for the pure fact that Queensland, Dewey, uh, Queensland, Dewey, Jeremy Govan's out. Whether whether West Coast are brave enough with their decisions, especially at forward line and and midfield, and you know, I, I can't see how a team that hasn't been any good at ground balls for ever a year and a bit, yeah, can all of a sudden improve that. Especially and, against a side that's very good at ground ball and Caddick forward press football. Yeah, so. and it's, it's it's night game as well, so it will be a bit Dewey up there. Um, and I can't see how they can turn around their mentality in a week. Mm. Obviously, last week they thought it was just going to happen, but how can you change that mindset so quickly, especially if they're not happy in the hub and everything? But you know, you can't, you shouldn't write them off because they are, you know, a bloody good team. And they've got some awesome players. But yeah, Brisbane have worried me the first two weeks. So I mean, I'm going to tip Brisbane because they're playing at home. We've just spoke about all the negatives against West Coast. But if Brisbane don't win this week, after what we saw against Hawthorne, we saw the form line with Hawthorne. We saw they nearly give up a lead and, and pretty much should have been done by, by Fremantle who... Who won't make the eight, basically. Who won't make the eight and is struggling a bit. And, you know, Fife... Fife was pretty quiet and pretty comfortably beaten by Lockie Neal. Uh, yes, Fife did come back in that second half and had an influence, but when they were down, you know, Lockie Neal was the one that was... And they were playing against each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I have my question marks over Brisbane at the moment. Mm. I think there's a bit of... Melbourne about them? Melbourne about them, which... A bit of the one-season wonder... Which is scary because you thought the, the leaders that have that club and how they've positioned themselves, they might be a, they might, that wouldn't have happened. But I'm hoping they come out and, and respond and, this week yeah. and put them, put West Coast away, and then West Coast all of a sudden are under the pump. So it's yeah. a bit of a not quite loser leaves town, but loser loser leaves their season in tatters basically because if either of these two sides drop this game, making the top four becomes incredibly hard yeah. for the side that loses and. Especially in a year like this, where if you finish top four, you might end up having two compulsory games. Who knows what kind of quarantine rules will happen in finals this year? So, you want to finish in that top four spot, give you the best chance of a, a uh, favourable draw at the back end of the year. And uh, with the West Coast having to play Brisbane, then Port, and then Richmond, it's going to be a tough time for the Eagles. So, Brisbane the tip, but I don't think any bets here. Kind of like a wait and see on those Yeah, just two a ones. wait and see. Head to head, though, they're sure enough, but definitely probably tip. Oh, I'm definitely tipping Brisbane. Brisbane. All right. Some season shapers. I can't believe that Gold Coast are favourites. They are favourites. Sunday, 1.05 p.m. The That's Gold Coast Suns. That is correct. The Gold Coast Suns, a team that has only won one game in over a year, are favourites. $1.80 favourites against Adelaide. $2 outsiders at Metricon Stadium. The line here, 3.5. The over-under, one 36. And welcome, Baz, to a thing I like to call Spoonapalooza. Yep, this is the Spoon 
Battle of the Spoon. Because yeah. whoever loses this is probably going to win the spoon. Because I think if... It depends how, depend how you lose, but if Adelaide lose full stop, give them the spoon. Well, the like, percentage is disgusting. Although, you've still, you still got the doggies. Oh, you still got doggies, still got Melbourne, you've still got Carlton, you've still got plenty of teams... Freo could be like could kick it in the kick no, it in the bag it's, it's zero and two though. Doggies in Adelaide haven't won a game yet, and they've seen just what thirty yeah. five, forty, yeah. or something stupid. So, um, but my worry about the Suns is young teams getting a bit too far ahead of themselves, especially nah. now they've got heat suppressed. But your man Stewie Jew, the my big man Stewie. down there, the maestro, I love, I love him. Especially after last week, you'd be going, yes, that's what coaching's all about. And Swallow so and Alice come back in, but my best, my best comment and. Yeah, if any of the tunners are listening, they love this comment because it's what our sort of philosophy is at, at Old Brighton is uh, the surge footy mentality, the surge football. That's what Stuart Jew was telling the boys on Saturday night. It was just a, just uh, when I heard him say it after Music the post, oh, I was loving it. Just in the conditions, the surge, the footy forward and outnumber them and just bash them around and play with a dirty footy, which is what they did and they did it well. And the, the question is, and lots of people have said, oh, you know, they went, you know, they've always been, like the last two seasons, they've been, what, three and two or three or three yeah. and one or whatever. But this year is way different. Like, what I watched on Saturday night, I only watched the last quarter and a half. Mm. And I actually went back and then watched the first quarter because I was shocked at the, at the scores. I think I was messaging a group saying, it's West Coast saying playing with 10. But just the, the way they played and the way they attacked the footy, and, and the, they actually beat up West Coast. Mm. A young side led by Matt Rowe and a few other young boys and Anderson and stuff, and Lukosius and... King and, and um, you know one I've spoken about a fair bit on this podcast is Ainsworth and now he's finally fit and he showed what he was capable of doing as well and if they can if they can back that up against Adelaide which they, they should because everything that Gold Coast did to the Eagles poor Adelaide did to Adelaide yeah. so they beat him up around the contest so I've, I've, I've got I've got some stats for yeah. you on that so hit me up uncontested marks they only had 34 uncontested marks to Crows. That mm. shows work rate not good enough and just ability to move the ball. Mm. Their kicking efficiency was 51% against Port. That is disgusting. Like, that is that is under-19 sort of stuff, you know, 51%. And it was 56% in round one. So it's, it's just, it wasn't just a bad game. This is the skill level of that side. Now, you, we know how much that Port won by. Mm-hmm. And we know how much they had over 100 more disposals than Adelaide. But Adelaide only laid 45 tackles and Port laid 61. So that's a big discrepancy and that's that's another problem. And to get beaten tackling-wise when you don't even have the footy... Exactly. Has, yeah. It's borderline impossible. And scores from turnover. So they got they got absolutely... They, so 10 scoring shots to six. But time and possession, they only had the ball for 30% of the game against Port Adelaide. Mm. So if Gold Coast, you know, it's up at Metricon... Um, it's going to be a bit dewy again. I, I, I'll have the same mentality, mm. obviously, Gold Coast. And Stewie Dew will be building them up. And another prime can Because Adelaide aren't that good. No. I, I actually rate West Coast, uh, Gold Coast better than Adelaide. And I, I obviously rate West Coast better than Adelaide as well. But Gold Coast should be winning this game. It, 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 I'm actually scared. I'm tipping North Melbourne and Gold Coast this week. But you kind of have to. like yeah, Based yeah, off yeah. what you see, you kind of have to. Yeah, I, other other than just like either ignorance... Or just the the fact that you want to go with name and reputation other than what you actually see. But well, they fought Adelaide see, in yeah. the in the preseason mm. as well. Yeah, at, at, at Gold yeah. Coast. So yeah, and, the, and, money, and Adelaide's money. been beaten the same way every time. They've been outnumbered at, at the ball. They've been unable to mark up. They've been unable to execute from their back half. Yeah, 
and they can't win the source football. So they're just not going to win games. And the Gold Coast only lost one game this year. Yeah. It was the Port. So, yeah, I'll be... Could, could be the could be the new Gold Coast. And I, I'm excited because the way they play has got me more excited about how they play than it does GWS because they're hard-nosed and led by... Like, some of those boys have put on some actual pretty good size in the last three to four months. They've obviously hit the gym pretty hard and had, had some good fitness, you know, work done because they, they look different body shape. Even Rao looks a different body shape. I mean, he's always been pretty big, but he looks pretty fierce. And mm. He's going to be... He, he's gonna, elite he'll win, he'll win three or four brown lows. Mm. Wouldn't go that far, but that's fair enough. You're, like, you're allowed one uh, one little hot take. <laughs> An interesting uh, value bet, won't go on my features, but I'll mention it now, is that so Adelaide hung tough with Port Adelaide in the first quarter of the showdown. Yeah. The Gold Coast are traditionally slower starters and they ramp up in the quarters two and three. So if you have Adelaide to lead at quarter time but lose, your value goes out to $5. Gold Coast are Adelaide favourites, obviously. Um, and you can play around with that. Gold Coast to win. Gold Coast to win the second quarter. Gets you around $2.40 as well. But I think a little fun bet if you want to have a spare tenner or something. Adelaide to lead at quarter time but lose. 5 bucks. There's your, your value add for the weekend. Sunday, three thirty-five. Essendon are a dollar eighty-four versus Melbourne, a dollar ninety-six at the MCG. It's basically a fifty-fifty contest, and this game makes me sick just thinking about it. Baz, these are officially the two most untrustworthy teams in the history of the What Are the Odds podcast. Do you, do you know what makes do you know what makes this worse? We have to pick one. No, if Essendon win, yeah. they're, they're undefeated. We're probably at top of the ladder. Only only Puebla can save us. They're the, they're, they're overrated. They're the, they're not good. They're, they're no they're not they're not good. They're, they're no good. No, they're not. Not it's not that they're no good. No, no, they no could good. make finals. They won't, but they could. No, they're, they're no good. Both those teams are yuck. No, this this going to be a terrible. Do we have game. to tip. We have to. Well, we can tip a draw. Do we have to like actually talk about this game? We don't have to actually talk about this game. But all I said was, were Melbourne lucky to win versus Carlton last week? Yes, no. Yes. Were Eston lucky to win against Sydney last week? Yes, no. Yes. Does round two tell us anything about these two clubs? No. Well, there you go. <laughs> Who are you picking? I don't know. <laughs> I might go Eston to make up for last week, but the, uh, I don't know. Does Does the last week's win give Melbourne confidence? They don't really get anyone in. Um, Is Sydney better than Carlton? Probably. <laughs> Probably just maybe. So then, for Essendon's better than Melbourne, so I'm picking Essendon. Uh, I'm 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 going. I'm going to look through each individual line, team line. Yeah. Melbourne are better defensively than than Essendon's forward line. Melbourne are better throughout the midfield than Essendon's midfield. Melbourne's back line is better than Essendon's forward. I'm tipping Melbourne. Nah. Enough said about that game. Yep. Thanks. And finally, you two tip and forgets. Saturday it starts seven forty as well. Geelong are a dollar fourteen favourites against Carlton. Five dollar fifty outsiders down at Cadinia Park. The line here is just under five goals. And after last week, we'd be pretty hesitant to call anything a sure thing. But this is about as winksy as a game of football gets in twenty twenty. No, I'm tipping Carlton. You're tipping Carlton. No, I'm joking. Uh, Geelong, Geelong. At, at, down at, down at uh, Cadinia. Now, do you finally believe Sims. in the advantage of the home ground of Cadinia for Geelong after saying it was all poo-poo, who cares, last week? I just can't believe teams can't adapt to it. Well, they don't really play any good teams down there, though. Name a good team they played in there. Hawthorne, they played Hawthorne last week. Yeah, but they're not... They're not yeah, all right. 
maybe they're a decent team. They're not a good team. They don't play any Richmond's or Kyan. They played West Coast down there last year and yeah, smashed we'll, them. We'll look, look how good West Coast are going at the moment. Um, yeah, no. The last good team they played in there was JWS and who won? JWS. JWS, thank you. Um, yeah, Geelong by five, uh, four or five goals. Already. Yeah, don't touch that one. The line's probably about spot on. Um, the only thing I'd say there from a betting point of view is that Carlton are 18th in first quarters and have been for a very, very, very long time. It's absurd how bad they are at studying games. So Geelong to win the first quarter by six and a half points is paying $1.92. So get around that one. And the last game, Sunday at 6.05. What a glorious time for football. That worked really well, in my opinion. Fremantle are $3.45 outsiders against Port Adelaide, who are $1.30 favourites down at Metricon Stadium. The line here is 20 points. The over-under, 134. And the final match of round three, we'll see Fremantle host Port Adelaide in the Gold Coast because this is the year of 2020. Yeah, it's a bit strange. And it's on a Sunday at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yeah. So it'll be interesting conditions. Um, is it... Is it they had, I'm pretty sure they got rain coming up. Is it that this this weekend? Or is that... Am I talking out of rubbish? You can look that up while yeah, I, I sure thing. talk about this game. Because Port Adelaide will... I think they're going to... I'm pretty sure they're going to flog again. Yeah. They've got a good percentage and winning by big margins. The youngsters are so good. Like, we saw some of their goals and some of their work on the weekend. And I think that... that well, in a couple of years' time, we're going to look back on that draft and say how well Port did out of that draft with Butters and Doosma and Rosie as well. And just they, they played some bloody good football. I watched, watched the first half against Adelaide and they just always looked in control and then they just blew them away. And, and Dixon, we've spoken about how important he is to that side and he's shredded and he looks good and he's playing bloody well. So, um, and yeah, it's all around ground. They got Fremantle covered. So, um, you know, he didn't need Nat Fife and Mundy's. The, the, the regulars to stand up for. For the Dockers, and really for the Dockers, they just need Tavern to kick goals because I don't know where else their goals are coming from. Because Walters obviously going in the full line a lot more. If you hold material out a bit, then it's where they're scoring from. Because they've got to score more from their midfield for hours. I think Port has got scoring all over the ground. Mm, 100%. A uh, little weather update there for you. Uh, only an 80% chance of rain, and if it does rain, only 0.2 mils. Okay. So just enough to make the ground dewy. Uh, it should be 22.4 degrees on Sunday, the 21st of June. On Port Adelaide scoring, nice little trend for you as well, is that so far in the last five games, Port Adelaide have outscored their opponents on average in all four quarters. So my play action here will be the wire to wire for Port Adelaide to lead every break, $1.91. Nice little value boost against a Freo side that does struggle early doors as well. favourite part of this show feature bets for round three Baz what are your best bets for this weekend I'm going back to Matty Real he's going back I'm going back to Matty Real I reckon A Gold Coast and B Adelaide yeah and B I reckon he's probably got most of Adelaide's midfield covered mm-hmm. and 25 or more disposals is $2.60 thank you that is a audacious best bet but I love it I love it. Backing up the second... It's his third start ever. Yeah. I'm, I'm all yeah, over it. Once you see a good horse, you got to ride it till it fails. Yep. So, fair enough. Good on you. I've got two best bets. My first, Geelong to win the first quarter by more than six and a half points against Carlton. 
Donani too. Mr. David Teague cannot stop the Blues with their slow starts. And our second best bet is Port Adelaide wire to wire against Fremantle because we are all in on Port Adelaide this season at $1.91. Any value bets from you, Mr. Brian? Uh, value. Brisbane are the bit West Coast. They need one by kick goals, and he kicks goals every week for them. Charlie Cameron, mm-hmm. three or more goals, $2.88. There you go. Don't mind that at all. And also, if you want to just place a little uh, cheeky $10 bet on Cameron win the Coleman, you that wouldn't go too far astray either, in my opinion. I've got two value bets as well. Strap in, get your pencil out. Slightly convoluted. My apologies in advance. Value bet number one is a multi. In-game multi involving Collingwood. So it's Collingwood to win the first quarter by more than three and a half points. Why? Because in the last ten games, Collingwood has outscored their opponents eight to one in the first quarter. Eight times as many points as their opponents in first quarters. Collingwood to win head-to-head, and the under 126 match total against St Kilda is paying $4.33. A good way to turn a short game into a long game. And the same with North Melbourne. So North Melbourne to win the fourth quarter. The shin bonus spirit, the sure spirit, the hard legs. Win the fourth quarter by two and a half points. North Melbourne to win the head-to-head. And under 139 with the Ruse and Sydney both liking to keep the ball on the inside is paying $4.50. Now, with those two compilated bets, I don't have a roughy, but do you have any rough action for us this week? I do have two rough, rough, rough ones. Well, not rough, rough, but they're $5 and $6 each. So, Chris Mantraka probably played one of his best games of his career last week. Mm-hmm. And again, if Melbourne had to win, he needs to get goals and he needs to get some more touches. And for him to kick two or more goals this week against $5, and he is the barometer for Melbourne this weekend, so he needs to have a big game. So I've got him kicking two or more goals, which is five bucks. And I've got a bit of a multi here. I've, I've did a bit of research about unders and overs. Uh, I did mention last week about the unders in most games because they, they're all around 140 on, mm. on Tuesday night last week, and they've reeled them back in. But I don't think they've done it enough in these games. So in the dewy conditions at Metricon Stadium, in the dewy conditions at Metricon Stadium, it's one for the bloopers reel. Under 134 and a half uh, in Fremantle Pro game. In the other game at Metricon as well. Under 136 and a half in the Gold Coast LA game. And then to top it off, over 126 in the Collingwood Skilder game. So I reckon Collingwood might just have a bit of a blowout. Oh, okay. We're at so, lot of heads there, but luckily that, there's lots of uh, two that, out of three ain't bad cashback deals floating around the bookmakers. Yeah, well, if you want to go head-to-head bets at the moment, um, and again, we're not affiliated with anyone. I say this every time, but points bet uh, on Thursday, Friday nights. If your team is winning at halftime, that pay out. Mm. So nearly got me over the line with Hawthorne on the weekend, but didn't. Uh, Would have got you over the line with Collingwood. So yeah, just shop around for if you look at our bets and go, I'm not quite sure, but you can shop around. There's a lot of different sort of uh, early cash outs and stuff like that, which we definitely take advantage of because it does help. So yeah. Because you can't always get them right, but you can always try and make some money. So that's kind of the, the name of the aim of this podcast. You can't always get it right. A bit like the AFL website. So the, the, their new setup is, is disgusting. It's probably the, it's the worst performance of the weekend to do website. Worse than the goal review? Worse than the goal review. That was not a mark by Jack Higgins either. But seriously, how hard is that to match them at the top like they used to instead of a little window down the bottom and just get the fonts right and the stories? It's just so unuser friendly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think... Uh, what would be the most important thing to find on like a Monday Ross, morning? Ross Lyons' face. Yeah. That's not that bad. No. Probably some scores and some highlights and some easier review of the weekends actually would have thought. Yep. 
But uh, you know, as you know, it's not like any of us work for any uh, sports media outlets. No, no, no. We, no, we no. just look at the web, different websites hundred times a day and stuff, yeah. but we got no idea. No idea. We're just battling away on my couch on a Tuesday night. So. That's exactly right. All right. Well, there's our hot takes, there's our opinions, and there's our tips for round three. Uh, we'll be posting our heart reels, all of our tipping against the model, and all that other fun stuff on our socials. That's on Twitter at w a t o s pod. What are the odds, pod? And if you are, want to give us your tips or tell us that we could do better, uh, let us know via those. Stories.